Chapter One of a Dissertation Concerning the Nature of True Virtue. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. A Dissertation Concerning the Nature of True Virtue by Jonathan Edwards. Chapter One whatever controversies and variety of opinions there are about the nature of virtue yet all excepting some sceptics who deny any real difference between virtue and vice mean by it something beautiful or rather some kind of beauty or excellency tis not all beauty that is called virtue for instance not the beauty of a building of a flower or of the rainbow but some beauty belonging to beings that have perception and will tis not all beauty of mankind that is called virtue for instance not the external beauty of the countenance or shape gracefulness of motion or harmony of voice but it is a beauty that has its original seat in the mind but yet perhaps not everything that may be called a beauty of mind is properly called virtue there is a beauty of understanding and speculation there is something in the ideas and conceptions of great philosophers and statesmen that may be called beautiful which is a different thing from what is most commonly meant by virtue but virtue is the beauty of those qualities and acts of the mind that are of a moral nature that is such as are attended with desert or worthiness of praise or blame things of this it is generally agreed so far as i know are not anything belonging merely to speculation but to the disposition and will or to use a general word i suppose commonly well understood to the heart therefore i suppose i shall not depart from the common opinion when i say that virtue is the beauty of the qualities and exercises of the heart or those actions which proceed from them so that when it is inquired what is the nature of true virtue this is the same as to inquire what that is which renders any habit disposition or exercise of the heart truly beautiful i use the phrase true virtue and speak of things truly beautiful because i suppose it will generally be allowed that there is a distinction to be made between some things which are truly virtuous and others which only seem to be virtuous through a partial and imperfect view of things that some actions and dispositions appear beautiful if considered partially and superficially or with regard to some things belonging to them and in some of their circumstances and tendencies which would appear otherwise in a more extensive and comprehensive view wherein they are seen clearly in their whole nature and the extent of their connections in the universality of things there is a general and a particular beauty by a particular beauty i mean that by which a thing appears beautiful when considered only with regard to its connection with and tendency to some particular things within a limited and as it were a private sphere and a general beauty is that by which a thing appears beautiful when viewed most perfectly comprehensively and universally with regard to all its tendencies and its connections with everything it stands related to the former may be without and against the latter as a few notes in a tune taken only by themselves and in their relation to one another may be harmonious which when considered with respect to all the notes in the tune or the entire series of sounds they are connected with may be very discordant and disagreeable 
of which more afterwards that only therefore is what i mean by true virtue which is that belonging to the heart of an intelligent being that is beautiful by a general beauty or beautiful in a comprehensive view as it is in itself and as related to everything that it stands in connection with and therefore when we are inquiring concerning the nature of true virtue that is wherein this true and general beauty of the heart does most essentially consist this is my answer to the inquiry true virtue most essentially consists in benevolence to being in general or perhaps to speak more accurately it is that consent propensity and union of heart to being in general that is immediately exercised in a general good will the things which were before observed of the nature of true virtue naturally lead us to such a notion of it if it has its seat in the heart and is the general goodness and beauty of the disposition and exercise of that in the most comprehensive view considered with regard to its universal tendency and as related to everything that it stands in connection with what can it consist in but a consent and good will to being in general beauty does not consist in discord and dissent but in consent and agreement and if every intelligent being is some way related to being in general and is a part of the universal system of existence and so stands in connection with the whole what can its general and true beauty be but its union and consent with a great whole if any such thing can be supposed as an union of heart to some particular being or number of beings disposing it to benevolence to a private circle or system of beings which are but a small part of the whole not implying a tendency to an union with a great system and not at all inconsistent with enmity towards being in general this i suppose not to be of the nature of true virtue although it may in some respects be good and may appear beautiful in a confined and contracted view of things but of this more afterwards it is abundantly plain by the holy scriptures and generally allowed not only by christian divines but by the more considerable deists that virtue most essentially consists in love and i suppose it is owned by the most considerable writers to consist in general love of benevolence or kind affection though it seems to me the meaning of some in this affair is not sufficiently explained which perhaps occasions some error or confusion in discourses on this subject when i say true virtue consists in love to being in general i shall not be likely to be understood that no one act of the mind or exercise of love is of the nature of true virtue but what has being in general or the great system of universal existence for its direct and immediate object so that no exercise of love or kind affection to any one particular being that is but a small part of this whole has anything of the nature of true virtue but that the nature of true virtue consists in a disposition to benevolence towards being in general though from such a disposition may arise exercises of love to particular beings as objects are presented and occasions arise no wonder that he who is of a generally benevolent disposition should be more disposed than another to have his heart moved with benevolent affection to particular persons whom he is acquainted and conversant with and from whom arise the greatest and most frequent occasions for exciting his benevolent temper but my meaning is that no affections towards particular persons or beings are of the nature of true virtue 
but such as arise from a generally benevolent temper or from that habit or frame of mind wherein consists a disposition to love being in general and perhaps it is needless for me to give notice to my readers that when i speak of an intelligent being's having a heart united and benevolently disposed to being in general i thereby mean intelligent being in general not inanimate things or beings that have no perception or will which are not properly capable objects of benevolence love is commonly distinguished into love of benevolence and love of complacence love of benevolence is that affection or propensity of the heart to any being which causes it to incline to its well-being or disposes it to desire and take pleasure in its happiness and if i mistake not tis agreeable to the common opinion that beauty in the object is not always the ground of this propensity but that there may be such a thing as benevolence or a disposition to the welfare of those that are not considered as beautiful unless mere existence be accounted a beauty and benevolence or goodness in the divine being is generally supposed not only to be prior to the beauty of many of its objects but to their existence so as to be the ground both of their existence and their beauty rather than they the foundation of god's benevolence as tis supposed that it is god's goodness which moved him to give them both being and beauty so that if all virtue primarily consists in that affection of heart to being which is exercised in benevolence or an inclination to its good then god's virtue is so extended as to include a propensity not only to being actually existing and actually beautiful but to possible being so as to incline him to give being beauty and happiness but not now to insist particularly on this what i would have observed at present is that it must be allowed benevolence doth not necessarily presuppose beauty in its object what is commonly called love a complacence presupposes beauty for it is no other than delight in beauty or complacence in the person or being beloved for his beauty if virtue be the beauty of an intelligent being and virtue consists in love then it is a plain inconsistence to suppose that virtue primarily consists in any love to its object for its beauty either in a love of complacence which is delight in a being for his beauty or in a love of benevolence that has the beauty of its object for its foundation for that would be to suppose that the beauty of intelligent beings primarily consists in love to beauty or that their virtue first of all consists in their love to virtue which is an inconsistence and going in a circle because it makes virtue or beauty of mind the foundation or first motive of that love wherein virtue originally consists or wherein the very first virtue consists or it supposes the first virtue to be the consequence and effect of virtue so that virtue is originally the foundation and exciting cause of the very beginning or first being of virtue which makes the first virtue both the ground and the consequence both cause and effect of itself doubtless virtue primarily consists in something else besides any effect or consequence of virtue if virtue consists primarily in love to virtue then virtue the thing loved is the love of virtue so that virtue must consist in the love of the love of virtue and if it be inquired what that virtue is which virtue consists in the love of the love of it must be answered tis the love of virtue so that there must be the love of the love of the love of virtue and so on in infinitum 
for there is no end of going back in a circle we never come to any beginning or foundation for tis without beginning and hangs on nothing therefore if the essence of virtue or beauty of mind lies in love or a disposition to love it must primarily consist in something different both from complacence which is a delight in beauty and also from any benevolence that has the beauty of its object for its foundation because tis absurd to say that virtue is primarily and first of all the consequence of itself for this makes virtue primarily prior to itself nor can virtue primarily consist in gratitude or one being's benevolence to another for his benevolence to him because this implies the same inconsistence for it supposes a benevolence prior to gratitude that is the cause of gratitude therefore the first benevolence or that benevolence which has none prior to it can't be gratitude therefore there is room left for no other conclusion that that the primary object of virtuous love is being simply considered or that true virtue primarily consists not in love to any particular beings because of their virtue or beauty nor in gratitude because they love us but in a propensity and union of heart to beings simply considered exciting absolute benevolence if i may so call it to being in general i say true virtue primarily consists in this for i am far from asserting that there is no true virtue in any other love than this absolute benevolence but i would express what appears to me to be the truth on this subject in the following particulars the first object of a virtuous benevolence is being simply considered and if being simply considered be its object then being in general is its object and the thing it has an ultimate propensity to is the highest good of being in general and it will seek the good of every individual being unless it be conceived as not consistent with the highest good of being in general in which case the good of a particular being or some beings may be given up for the sake of the highest good of being in general and particularly if there be any being that is looked upon as statedly and irreclaimably opposite and an enemy to being in general then consent and adherence to being in general will induce the truly virtuous heart to forsake that being and to oppose it and further if being simply considered be the first object of a truly virtuous benevolence then that being who has most of being or has the greatest share of existence other things being equal so far as such a being is exhibited to our faculties or set in our view will have the greatest share of the propensity and benevolent affection of the heart i say other things being equal especially because there is a secondary object of virtuous benevolence that i shall take notice of presently which is one thing that must be considered as the ground or motive to a purely virtuous benevolence pure benevolence in its first exercise is nothing else but beings uniting consent or propensity to being appearing true and pure by its extending to being in general and inclining to the general highest good and to each being whose welfare is consistent with the highest general good in proportion to the degree of existence understand other things being equal the second object of a virtuous propensity of heart is benevolent being a secondary ground of pure benevolence is virtuous benevolence itself in its object when anyone under the influence of general benevolence sees another being possessed of the like general benevolence 
this attaches his heart to him and draws forth greater love to him than merely his having existence because so far as the being beloved has love to being in general so far his own being is as it were enlarged extends to and in some sort comprehends being in general and therefore he that is governed by love to being in general must of necessity have complacence in him and the greater degree of benevolence to him as it were out of gratitude to him for his love to general existence that his own heart is extended and united to and so looks on its interest as its own tis because his heart is thus united to being in general that he looks on a benevolent propensity to being in general wherever he sees it as the beauty of the being in whom it is an excellency that renders him worthy of esteem complacence and the greater good will but several things may be noted more particularly concerning this secondary ground of a truly virtuous love one that loving a being on this ground necessarily arises from pure benevolence to being in general and comes to the same thing for he that has a simple and pure good will to general entity or existence must love that temper in others that agrees and conspires with itself a spirit of consent to being must agree with consent to being that which truly and sincerely seeks the good of others must approve of and love that which joins with him in seeking the good of others two this which has now been mentioned as a secondary ground of virtuous love is the thing wherein true moral or spiritual beauty primarily consists yea spiritual beauty consists wholly in this and the various qualities and exercises of mind which proceed from it and the external actions which proceed from these internal qualities and exercises and in these things consists all true virtue that is in this love of being and the qualities and acts which arise from it three as all spiritual beauty lies in these virtuous principles and acts so tis primarily on this account they are beautiful that is that they imply consent and union with being in general this is the primary and most essential beauty of everything that can justly be called by the name of virtue or is any moral excellency in the eye of one that has a perfect view of things i say the primary and most essential beauty because there is a secondary and inferior sort of beauty which i shall take notice of afterwards four this spiritual beauty that is but a secondary ground of a virtuous benevolence is the ground not only of benevolence but complacence and is the primary ground of the latter that is when the complacence is truly virtuous love to us in particular and kindness received may be a secondary ground but this is the primary objective foundation of it five it must be noted that the degree of the amiableness or valuableness of true virtue primarily consisting in consent and a benevolent propensity of heart to being in general in the eyes of one that is influenced by such a spirit is not in the simple proportion of the degree of benevolent affection seen but in a proportion compounded of the greatness of the benevolent being or the degree of being and the degree of benevolence one that loves being in general will necessarily value goodwill to being in general wherever he sees it but if he sees the same benevolence in two beings he will value it more in two than in one only because it is a greater thing more favourable to being in general to have two beings to favour it than only one of them 
for there is more being that favours being both together having more being than one alone so if one being be as great as two has as much existence as both together and has the same degree of general benevolence it is more favourable to being in general than if there were general benevolence in a being that had but half that share of existence as a large quantity of gold with the same degree of preciousness that is with the same excellent quality of matter is more valuable than a small quantity of the same metal six it is impossible that any one should truly relish this beauty consisting in general benevolence who has not that temper himself i have observed that if any being is possessed of such a temper he will unavoidably be pleased with the same temper in another and it may in like manner be demonstrated that tis such a spirit and nothing else which will relish such a spirit for if a being destitute of benevolence should love benevolence to being in general it would prize and seek that which it had no value for because to love an inclination to the good of being in general would imply a loving and prizing the good of being in general for how should one love and value a disposition to a thing or a tendency to promote a thing and for that very reason because it tends to promote it when the thing itself is what he is regardless of and has no value for no desires to have promoted end of chapter one recording by expatriate in bangor maine